Well, good morning. Please continue our walk through the book of Galatians. Turn to Galatians chapter 5 as we continue our walk through this amazing book, the Word of God. Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> and today we're going to be taught to walk by the Spirit. And it's a, the essential part, really, of the Christian life is to walk by the Holy Spirit of God. And so let's pray now and ask for the, the Holy Spirit to help us in this time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, we can be together to worship you and to uh, dig deep into your word. And Lord, as we encounter your word today, we'll just be reminded that uh, we desperately need a great work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray now that uh, you would take all of us, these weak and broken vessels, Lord, and that uh, you would fill us with your Spirit, that you give us wisdom to understand, Lord, that you would give us uh, strength in our faith and grow our love for you and our love for each other. And give us all the fruit of your spirit, Lord, that we may magnify and glorify your name, Lord Jesus. And so uh, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. We saw last time that our freedom in Christ is for the purpose of love. We've been set free from slavery to sin and selfishness to love and to serve others. Christ has set us free through his love, and we are able to keep the greatest commandment of God and of all, the commandment that all the law and the prophets rest on, and that's to love our neighbor as ourself. Now, some of you may have left last time thinking, wow, that is really hard. How do I possibly do that? How can I love even my enemy in the same way that I love myself? That is just really, really hard to do. And you may have felt like this command to love is more of a burden than a blessing. Well, the command to love is not intended to be a burden. No, love is intended to flow freely when we are walking by the Spirit of God. And so our text today expands on how it is that we can be free to love and serve each other and thereby fulfill the greatest command of all, which is to love our neighbor as ourself. We are to love instead of biting and devouring and consuming each other by living to fulfill our sinful desires. That's the opposite of love. And so let's look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16 today. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. <clears throat> now, the works of the flesh are evident. 
sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And so the first thing we're taught to do in verse 16 is to walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. I'll read verse 16 through 18 again. As I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So instead of biting, devouring, and consuming one another, do this. Walk by the Spirit. Only the Spirit of God, who has made us free from sin and given us new life, can keep us truly free as we experience, through walking in him, the power of God's sanctification in our lives. Now, the best way I can think to illustrate this imagery of walking by the Spirit or staying in step by the Spirit is like a train. And you can imagine God is the locomotive of the train. He's the engine. The spirit supplies the power and the direction where the, chain, where the train is going. And when we walk by the spirit, we're hitched up to it and led along tightly coupled to the engine. It's not like, you know, in a, in a race where there's a pace car and all the cars are behind and they're all kind of wiggling and waggling and doing their thing. They're kind of like behind the pace car as long as they don't go in front of it or around it or too far. They're all over the place. But when we're walking step by step with the Spirit, it, it's like we're hitched up to that locomotive real tight. And when it moves, we move. And we're right there, and it's got the power, and it's got the direction, and it's pulling us forward, and we're just right in there, lockstep, right behind it, step by step by step. Real close, real tight. That's what it's like to walk by the Spirit of God in our lives. When we walk by the Spirit, we're, we're actively setting our minds and our hearts on the promises of God and the Word of God. You can kind of tell whether you're walking in the Spirit or not, whether or not you're really happy in Jesus and resting in his promises in that moment. Am I really happy in Jesus? Am I resting in his promises? Another illustration is like a young child in the arms of their loving father. I have seven children, so I've had lots of opportunity to hold a young child in my arms. And there's nothing better than that. 
you can just feel it. You know, that child is completely resting and trusting. And as a father, you just, you just, want, you just can't get enough of that. That's what it's like when you are walking step by step in the Spirit of God, walking by the Spirit of God. You are like that child, completely resting and trusting in your Heavenly Father. When, when I'm holding my babies, they're not anxious about anything. They're at perfect peace. So much so they usually just fall asleep right there because they're, they're in perfect peace. It's like that young child. Now, if you're walking by the Spirit, you'll be work, you won't be working. Now, if you're not walking by the Spirit, I was like, what's wrong with my notes? Why would it say that? Okay. <laughs> if you're not walking by the Spirit, you're going to be constantly working to gratify the desires of the flesh because those two are in opposition to each other. That's what our text tells us, and boy, we have experienced it in our lives, haven't we? I read through this text over and over again in the, weeks ahead, in the weeks behind. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You didn't even have to tell me that, Paul. I feel that every single day. I feel it every day. <clears throat> the flesh and the spirit are like two warring forces locked in a mortal conflict within the life of each one of us. And what he means by the flesh here is basically everything aside from God in which you place your final trust. The flesh desires worldly and sinful things constantly. It's never satisfied. It's like a bottomless pit that can never be filled up. Or like a vacuum cleaner that's always taking and sucking things in, and it's, it's never full. It's never, ever satisfied. The flesh is not. We read in the Bible and other places, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. Ecclesiastes says, the vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Solomon had everything you could possibly ever have as a human being. Wealth, power, riches, all these things. The most powerful, wealthy, wise person on the whole planet ever to exist. It was never enough to satisfy. Never enough. But the Spirit gives life and love and peace in our hearts and leads us to love and serve others out of that overflow. And these two forces are constantly at war against each other. And this is explained in good detail in Romans chapter 7. So you can write in your margin, you know, Romans 7 is a cross-reference here. And I want to go back to Romans 7, 14, starting at verse 14, to see more on this, <coughs> what this is really like in the life of a believer. Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 14. You can turn back there. <clears throat> I'm going to read a, a longer passage here because he, Paul expands greatly on this in Romans 7. Romans 7, starting in verse 14, says this, For we know that the law is spiritual. So, you know, we've been learning in Galatians all about the, the role of the law versus the, law, the role of the spirit, the flesh versus the spirit. All of these themes have been ad uh, addressed in Galatians, and Romans expands on them. Much, in much more detail. And so we know that the law is spiritual, verse 14, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And I've said in, in, in the past, you know, if anyone had superpowers, <laughs> if anyone's 
has a superpowers as an apostle, it's the Apostle Paul. I mean, he's like the super apostle. He could like, you know, put, put the Superman logo on his chest. This guy was one of the greatest apostles. And he says, I don't understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. That's verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul. Saw Jesus face to face, saying to everyone in the whole world that reads this, I do the very thing that I hate. Verse 16. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So here's the Apostle Paul saying, sin dwells in him. I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but, do not, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thank God he doesn't end there. <laughs> Verse 25, but thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And so we can see as long as we live in this life, brothers and sisters, we will never outgrow the spiritual conflict described in this passage. There's no spiritual technique, no silver bullet, no hack, no second blessing that can propel you to some higher plane of living where you no longer fight against sin in your life. If so, I'm sure the Apostle Paul would have reached that state in his faith, and that just, uh, just doesn't happen. We'll always struggle with it. This battle will rage on until we are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And haven't we felt it in our own hearts? I know I do. You feel it in your life. You feel the struggle of knowing what is right and even desiring to do what is right and pleasing to God. Yet there's a war in our soul. The flesh fights hard to keep you from walking with the Spirit. It's a war. It's like a WWE smackdown. You know, in this corner is this giant thing called the flesh. You know, and you try to go out there and you fight the flesh and you think you might even be winning and boom, you get whacked. Wham! Whoa, what happened? And then you might even beat it down a little bit on your own strength and then it's down on the ground and you think you've got it and then somebody hits you on the back with a chair. Boom! <laughs> it's like, whoa, what happened? <clears throat> it's a constant smackdown in your life and it's just constant just when you think you're strong whammo whoa what happened to me and you're down Whew. 
But, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Thanks be to Jesus that he can deliver us from these things and give us the power to walk in the Spirit. If we're led by the Spirit, back in Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, if we're led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. This is our hope, brothers and sisters. This is our hope. God has done through his spirit what the law could not do. And Paul explains this more in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 3. He says, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who... Walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so, we're not under the law working to climb up this ladder of perfection to God. So we're not in that ring fighting it out with the law as our strength, trying to win the battle. Because we will lose if that's our technique, if that's our tactic or strategy. We will lose trying to win with the law and keeping the law. Law-keeping will not win the battle. Legalism does not win the battle. Pride and boasting about how great we are before God does not win the battle over the flesh. No, it's by the Spirit of God in our life that we win the battle over the flesh day by day by day, every day. And so, instead, we who believe, we fulfill the law by the Spirit. The Spirit gives us faith that works through love. And we win the daily battle against the flesh by walking in the Spirit and by living in the Spirit. Look at verse 19, <clears throat> back in Galatians. This is what living in the flesh looks like. What living in the flesh looks like, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, in case any of us don't know. <laughs> it means they're obvious, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it's easy to see the works of the flesh, isn't it? These are all the ungodly, sinful things you and I do when we're not walking with God. And this isn't even an exhaustive list. There are other lists, and I start cross-referencing this as I'm preparing I'm like, wow, if I were to like compile all the lists, it would be pages upon pages of sinful behavior, and that wouldn't even be the full list. These are just all the ungodly, sinful things we do when we're not walking with God. And we are such sinful people in our very nature. We just are. <clears throat> Notice the works of the flesh here, though. Notice it's not a repeat of the Ten Commandments. It would have been easy enough to say, you know, you know, you're breaking the Ten Commandments. You're not following the Ten Commandments. But he doesn't just repeat the Ten Commandments. These are all different behaviors. 
These are all different sinful behaviors that we're all guilty of at some point in our lives, and we're probably guilty of a lot more than these. And notice, when you're practicing these things, you are not walking with God. Notice, even fits of anger, strife, jealousy, and envy are in this list. You know, I notice, I'm like, we're really quick to call out the ones that are considered bad in our church culture. You know, we're really quick to throw stones at the sexual immorality, you know, those types of sins. We're real quick to pick up a stone and throw that hard. But what about your outbursts of anger? What about that? It's right here in the same list. You're no better than an adulterer. What about your envy over, you know, something that somebody else has that you want? Maybe it's the job you want or the car you want or the house you want or whatever it might be. You know what it is. You feel envy in your heart? You're no better than the one who commits sexual immorality. You're no better than the witch who practices sorcery. Real quick to pick up stones and throw them at people like that because we don't do bad things like that. We're good Baptists, right? You don't do bad things like that. But what about your rivalry and dissensions and drunkenness? What about that? But that doesn't hurt anybody else. Well, it's a sin, right? It's right here in the same list. God help us. Notice verse 21. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that should give us all pause. Because the kingdom of God is glorious. The kingdom of God is that glorious place where we will all live in the presence of God forever. We'll all live there forever. It's a place where there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more disease or COVID-19, only perfect peace and love and harmony. That's what our inheritance in the kingdom of God is going to be. It's what we long and we hope for. Our lives here on this earth, we're just pilgrims passing through. This isn't our home for those of us who trust in Christ. This is not our home, and this is where we prepare for eternity, right here in our lives on this earth. Those who by faith trust in Christ for their salvation and live in his spirit will live with God in his kingdom and his joy forever and ever. And I long for that. I pray every day, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. But those who practice these things, those who are not walking with God, haven't trusted in him, they will not inherit that kingdom. They don't inherit. You're you're back to being the son of the slave woman that we learned about earlier. No inheritance. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, he's not talking about isolated failings that we confess and and repent of here because we all stumble and fall in our sin. He's not talking about someone who sins, confesses, repents, and goes back to walking by faith in the Spirit of God. Not talking about 
isolated incidents here. He's talking about a practice and pattern in your life. The practice and pattern of your life is the fruit of your life. And the fruit of your life shows what kind of person you really are. And, and look, it's not for us to judge. We're not God. And so often we want to put on you know, our judge's robe and say, oh, you're not going to go to heaven because you do this. Oh, you're not God. Let God determine that. God will be the judge. It's for us to look in the mirror and do the best we can to walk by the Spirit every moment of the day. So the next time we want to go judging someone else, let's try to take that log and plank out of our own eye before we try to take the speck out of our brother or sister's eye. It's not for us to judge. Now with a pastor's loving heart, Paul here issues his warning that those who continue to indulge in their former evil habits, they're really showing that they're not trusting in Christ. They're really showing that they're not a true child of God trusting in him and having faith in him. And they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who habitually indulge in immorality, idolatry, impurity, all these things, they're going to be excluded from the blessedness of the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't say this just to make us depressed and defeated. No, he wants us to see just how ugly and evil and terrible sin is. It's awful, and God will not tolerate it. God doesn't just sweep it under the rug and say, well, you know, it's okay. You're one of the boys, come on in. No, it's not how God operates. And so we must repent of our sin. We need to crucify this flesh and sin in our lives. Look at verse 22. Now this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. So he showed, he showed us this is what the flesh looks like. Now this is what the fruit of the Spirit looks like in contrast. Verse 22. And I encourage everyone here to just read this a thousand, ten thousand times until you memorize it. Because we need this every day. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So the fruit of the Spirit is the visible sign of what exists inside of us. When we're saved by the Holy Spirit of God, God's Spirit dwells in our hearts. The Spirit of God dwells in us. We don't go to the temple in Jerusalem anymore where God's presence was at that time to worship. That's what they did. But now through the power of Christ and his, his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, the Spirit of God now dwells in us who believe. We are the temple of God in his spirit. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us this. And also John 14 and Romans 8 and Ephesians 2 and 2 Timothy 1 and James 4. It's everywhere. We are the temple of the spirit of God. He dwells in us. God is the source of our life and strength. 
God is the one who can let us live in love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we can do that. Jesus, in John 15, explains this so beautifully. And so I looked at that, I'm like, wow, I I can't say it any better than that. So why would I even try? Jesus says this in John 15. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it might bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So to abide means to live. Are you living in Jesus? That's what abiding is. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You see what Jesus wants for us? He wants us to have love and joy and peace. Right? That's all right here. It's all right here. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. What did we just read and go over last time? Love your neighbor as, I, as yourself. Yeah, Jesus taught all of these things. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Which was what? Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Those are the commandments. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. Why? so that you will love one another. There it is. There it is. So to walk by the Spirit is to bear the fruit of the Spirit. The emphasis isn't on our own effort, but on God's activity in us. You know, we're like the branches. He's the vine. You take the branch off the vine, what happens to that? It withers and dies. You try to go fulfill the law with your own strength and so that you can boast in law-keeping and how great you are, you've just 
torn yourself off the vine, and you're just going to wither and die. You've broken yourself off the vine. You're a helpless branch with no power, no life, once you've fallen off that vine. It's the vine that gives us the power. It's Jesus and his spirit in our lives that gives us the power. When we abide in Jesus, life, fruit, comes from him and flows through us. So we, we walk by the spirit by abiding in the vine of Jesus. And his love and fruit flows through us. So, when we're confronted with our enemy, instead of fighting against them, we can love them. In Jesus. That's the first fruit of the Spirit. Did you notice? Love. So if you're feeling like, man, why is it so hard for me to love people? Well, you're probably not abiding with God. You're not walking with the Spirit. You having that much trouble loving someone? You're just not walking in the Spirit. You're in the flesh. And you are living to satisfy the desires of your flesh. That's why you're having trouble loving other people. When we're sad and in despair, we can have joy in Jesus. You're saying, well, why am I so sad? Why am I in so, so much in despair? Why, why do I not have joy in my life? Well, you're not walking in the spirit. That's why you're in the flesh. You're focused on yourself and your problems. That's why you have no joy. When we're anxious in our hearts and in our minds, and boy, have we had a lot to be anxious about. I mean, we got excuses now, right? Before it was just like, well, I got these little first world problems in my life, you know. My, my driveway's cracked or, you know, my tire popped or stuff like that. You know, life was pretty easy for us. But boy, have we got things to be anxious about now. We got pandemics and riots and all these things. We got plenty of excuses to be anxious. Well, in those times when we want to be anxious in our hearts and minds, we can find peace in Jesus. That's where we find our peace. <clears throat> and so if you're having trouble having peace in your life, why am I so anxious all the time? Well, you're not in the spirit. You're just not. You're in the flesh. And you're thinking about yourself and your problems or the problems of your kids or the problems of, of others. You're just focused on those things and you're not in the spirit. That's why you're anxious. But you can have peace. You can have peace in Christ. When we're impatient, we can have patience through faith in him. When we want to lash out in anger, we can show kindness instead. When we're tempted to evil, we can show goodness and care for the welfare of others. When we're tempted to be selfish, we can be faithful to others. When we want to be harsh to those who are getting on our nerves, or we just don't like them, then we want to be harsh to them because they deserve it. Look what they did. Look what they said. They deserve it. I want to be harsh to them. Well, through the Spirit of God, walking in the Spirit, we can show gentleness and mercy and compassion. 
When we feel like we have no power over our impulses or our emotions or our desires, we can have self-control. All by the power of the Spirit in our lives. And you do this, this is how you do this. Here's the magic formula, right? You ready? Everybody paying attention? This is the magic formula, right? You cry out to Jesus, God, help me. Fill me with your spirit in this time, because right now I just want to murder this person. <laughs> That's what you do. It's, it's, that, it's that simple. You just cry out to Jesus. Jesus, help me. Help me be patient. You even start going over this in your mind. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Love, joy. Just do it. Just do that. And the Spirit of God is real. He's alive. And he will flood your heart and you'll be like, wow, I really can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You really can. And you know, this practically pays out, plays out in our own families, right? Because <clears throat> we're the ones, especially in this time, we've been around each other a lot. <laughs> a lot more than we probably ever have. So let's just start in our own families. Like I said last week, husbands and wives, come on, let's just serve one another through love. Stop complaining. If she's doing something you don't like, stop complaining, serve instead. Every time you feel like griping, serve through love. You just change that, that mindset, right? I'm going to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, and instead of complaining, I'm going to find a way to serve through love. Wives, when your husband drives you crazy with something he's doing, instead of complaining or nagging, you find a way to serve through love. And you know, if we'll do that mutually with each other, we'll have some We'll just have harmony in our homes. Children, obey your parents. Not with eye serve, like rolling the eyes and uh, huffing and puffing. Uh. Children, obey your parents. Through love, serve one another. And, and parents, we could serve our kids too, you know. Sometimes they need a little bit of help. We could do that. You're old enough to do that. You can do it yourself. Man, I find myself saying that so much. I mean, when you got seven, the requests just not, they nonstop. And so, like, Spirit of God, let me serve through love. Serve through love. Serve through love. Right? <clears throat> so let's do it in our homes. And then in our workplaces also, right? Colossians 3 gives us the full list. In our homes, Husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and masters, which in our context is, hey, who you're working for, bosses who are working for you. Let's, through love, serve one another. Let's have this kind of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in our relationships with each other. <clears throat> and we'll have harmony a lot more harmony in our lives, in our communities, our workplaces. Instead of being so offended and angry with others, let's be 
merciful and compassionate and patient and kind to others as our first reaction? Maybe give each other the benefit of the doubt? Ooh, you ever think about that? Let's give each other the benefit of the doubt. So often, you know, we don't know, we don't understand, but we see something we don't like and we just jump to anger and offense. Instead, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's seek to understand before we go pound them for doing something that offended us. Everyone has a story. Let's be interested in it, maybe, and show some compassion and mercy. In verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is similar language to Galatians 2.20. When Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so we're crucifying the flesh. This is how we, we live the life in the spirit. We crucify the flesh. Now, the language is similar here, but there is a difference in meaning between chapter 5 and chapter 2. In chapter 2, when he says, I've been crucified with Christ, the verb is passive. It refers to a past act done to you or to the believer, the Christian, and for the Christian by someone else. God did it. God crucified your old self when you trusted Jesus. We have been crucified with Christ in that he died in our place on the cross and on the basis of which we are declared righteous by God through faith. So that is the past act. We have been crucified with Christ when we trust in him for salvation. Now in verb in chapter 5 verse 24 the verb is active. It's active. Crucifixion of the flesh is described here, and it's something that we are doing. And it's active. It's ongoing. It's something that we do. We are the ones that do the crucifying. We are the ones that do it. And it's the process of every day, you keeping that old flesh, that old dead flesh up on the cross. You're crucifying it. Now, it's not dead yet. It's still on that cross crucified, but it's not dead. And it rears its ugly head. And so day by day by day, moment by moment during the day, you're keeping that old crucified fle- old flesh crucified, killing it every day. Jesus said, take up our cross daily and follow him. That's what we got to do. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's that smackdown every single day. It's a lifelong process. But the true Christian is loyal to God, gentle to his neighbor, and has himself under control. That's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, and that's the result of God's grace. And so let's close with this, verse 25. Keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. So again, we're taught, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. And verse 26, this is an important transitional verse. It's linked back to the warning in verse 15, not to bite, devour, and consume each other. When he says, don't become conceited, provoking each other, envying one another. It's linked back to verse 15 in that regard. 
<clears throat> and it leaks forward to the next instructions we're going to see in chapter 6 concerning our attitude in dealing with each other when we have sinned, when someone needs to be corrected and restored. We're going to see that next time. And so our treatment of others is determined by our walk. Are you walking in the flesh? If you are, you're going to bite, devour, consume, provoke, be conceited, envy. You're going you're gonna to look like that. You're going to sound like that. And if you're in the spirit, you'll have his love and joy and peace and the other fruit of the spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, let's go from here and let's be filled with the spirit of God. Let's put away sin and the works of the flesh from our lives. Let's crucify that old self every day, moment by moment. And let's live in and walk by the Spirit of God every minute of the day. And let's, let's help each other with this in our families and with each other. You know, in the family, if you're having a rough time, it's like, man, I'm just not living in the Spirit today. I'm not walking by the Spirit today. Let's pray for each other. Let's help each other. Let's encourage each other. Walk by the Spirit. And let's allow the Spirit to control us and keep our hearts happy in God. Y you'll know if a person's walking in the Spirit. You'll just see they're happy in God. They're resting in the promises of God. That's a great place to be. And when we do this, when we're walking in the Spirit, we'll have God's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control and we will magnify the name of Jesus that way. Amen. You know, he, Pastor Ryan, thank you for preaching the absolute truth.